Scripture reading this morning will be taken from Proverbs 31, verses 30 and 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Good morning. Good to be gathered this morning. Happy Lord's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Always good to be together. Continue to carry along the uh, tradition that Jim had passed down to talk about uh, the blessing that women are in our lives. This morning when I woke up, I got my kids together and I gave them the pep talk. This is Mother's Day. You better be good. Get dressed. Make sure you keep it all together. And Emmett said, well, what did we get, Mommy? I said, don't you remember we got her those chocolate strawberries? He's like, I didn't get her any chocolate strawberries. <laughs> he said... I said, well, what do you want to get her? And she said, I'm going to get her a flower. I was like, okay, we have some flowers in the yard. You can, you can go get them. So uh, kind of this is the other pep talk right, right now to especially the men, husbands in this room, to anybody who has a mother. <laughs> so we want to look to the scriptures and what the Bible has to say about women and the blessing that they are. Uh, this lesson is not intended to make anyone feel guilty or anything like that. Try to avoid that. This is to show, show praise to women. And as the Proverbs that we've had Mark read for us, I think is a very beautiful scripture and demonstrating what we uh, look for in uh, faithful women and women that should be praised. I ask you this morning, where should a woman find love and value? So a lot of women feel this pressure on them that everything's got to be right at home in in what's going on. There are other things in life that they might take as a measure of their success. And throughout stages of their life, and I'm not basing this on my insight because I don't know much, uh, but Rachel was saying, you should talk about the different stages because, you know, young uh, teenage girls are valuing themselves is what the boys think about them and their popularity. Girls about Megan's age are thinking about what others think about them and uh, their popularity. And then uh, you got the college age and so forth. And, and women define themselves at different points in their life and the, the value and the love that they have from others around them and how they feel about themselves. I want to encourage you, number one, this morning, all women, that your value needs to, number one, come from God. And God loves you, and he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. God loves you. And our foundation needs to be right there. That's where every one of us, all Christians here, our value comes from him. We don't need to make idols out of different things and, and make our lives into a situation where if I don't do this in just the right way, if my home's not just right, then and we want to lower our value. That's not the way it works with God. You can't lower your value with him. He loves you, and he gave his son to die for you. I don't want you to think about that this morning. Think about how much God loves you. When we look at the scriptures, the Bible describes women as glorious, wonderful, blessings. And we're going to look at some of these passages this morning. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 7. Paul talks here, he says, about women and men. He says, men and women, they're both made in the image of God. Men are made in the glory of God. Women are made in the glory of man. And that they take those certain attributes of man and they are able to demonstrate and 
Show it in the way that they live and they behave with the value of humanity. And we see that very much in women. God made man and woman in his image on the same day there in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. Now, we also see this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. It says, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helper fit for him. And so man was there alone, and God made woman to be with him. Another way to summarize this is God looked at man and said, That man needs help. I'm going to make a woman. And that's what he did. And so God saw this. He has made man and woman to belong together. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I want you to notice here, Adam didn't have a father and mother for him to leave. Now, why is this passage here in the Scriptures talking about the institution of marriage? It's what God had, been, had planned all along, that men needed help, that he made someone comparable to him, to be with him, to help him. And that God's plan for marriage was right here, one man and one woman together. And again, we see the blessings and the part of God's creation. Again, as Rachel was reading over this, she made another comment to me. She said, I want you to notice here, Scott, that uh, all the animals that were created from dirt, and men were created from dirt, but we women weren't created from dirt. We were made from from the rib of man. And I appreciate that. Again, that kind of brings out the idea of the glory of women. So all of us men are made from dirt. You need to respect that this morning. All right. What women need. About a year ago, I don't remember if it was the Mother's Day lesson or the one right after that, because it's always in May that I focus my sermons on the family. But we looked at some of the things that women need and what they need from men, specifically their husbands. And this is what we see right out of the Scriptures. What do women need? What do they need? Number one, women need men who will give their lives for them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. That's what Christ says. He says, uh, that's what he says through Paul, is that men need to be an example, to follow the example of Christ how he laid down his life for the church. Men want to do the same thing, be self-sacrificial. And a lot of men have that character within them anyways, that is Christian men, that we are willing to die for our family, for mothers, and especially for our wives. And so our wives need to know that. They need to understand that and hear that and see that from us. Number two, women need husbands to lead them in a holy life. Christ helps the church to be holy, makes the church, washes it with water, with the word, to make it holy and without spot and without blemish. And the goal for us as husbands is to do the same thing, is to help our wives to live a holy life, to follow God's word, to live that life. And every woman needs some man in her life encouraging her in that. Women need husbands to lead them in a holy life. And number three, women need husbands to nourish and cherish them. And the idea of providing And that word cherish here is the idea in Greek of warming them, warmth. Husbands need to have a warmth about them, a care about them, that they want to treat their wives right. And so we look at three here. We're going to look at three more toward the end of this lesson. What the Scriptures say that women need specifically from their husbands. Can you force a man to value his wife? Can you? We got a lot of people today, a lot of women even, that think that they can marry a man and then change him. 
the best example, the man that's going to value you the closest thing to following the example of Christ and God is a Christian man. You want a man who values you. You want a man who studies God's word, who believes in it and upholds it and honors his wife. That's what we need. It's only the gospel that can change a man, really change him. And yet, 1 Peter chapter 3 says that women can set an example for him in their spirit and the way that they behave and, and how they, they act as Christian women. They can set an example so that he will live a better life. Some other wisdom here for the men, right out of Proverbs. Proverbs 12 and verse 4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. And a husband should think and say, My wife's excellent. She's wonderful. She's prudent. She's wise. She helps take care of my family. Everything that goes on, I rely on her and I need her. And I can say in the last three years going through my studies in grad school, I've needed Rachel. I, I could not do what uh, has been done, that, that she has done. I needed her to be there. And she was. And Proverbs 18 and verse 22, Solomon write, writes, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You want God's favor? Find a wife. God had intended it. We read that back in Genesis. It's a good thing to have that woman there to help you. And then we also read this in Proverbs. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. A wise woman is from God. And men need to be thanking God every day for their wives, appreciating them, looking at what they do and cherishing them, nourishing them, and realizing that God has blessed them and shown his favor to them. You know, sometimes this is the passage that's brought up, Proverbs 31. And I like the English Standard Version because it describes the woman here as the excellent woman. But should a woman think less of herself if she is not the excellent woman in Proverbs 31? Well, let's take a look here at what else the text says. Because I don't think that that is the um, standard that you should be saying, well, if everything's not perfect, then I'm not good enough. You, you shouldn't have that thinking. The woman in Proverbs 31 is an ideal woman. She's an ideal Israelite woman. She did so many wonderful and amazing things right there in the text. She, she bought land. She did business. She worked with merchants. She made clothes. She fed her family. She had matins under her, servants that she told them what to do, and they did it. Her husband sat in the gates. A lot of wonderful details there about this woman. However, I want you to look here a little bit further about the detail. This woman in Proverbs 21 is evidently an older woman because her husband is an elder who sits in the gate. This is a woman who is accomplished in her life. She has done this over time. So no woman who's in her 20s, 30s, even in her 40s, should be uh, 50s, even more, be thinking, you know, this is the standard I should have already gotten to. But this is what we see here in the text. Proverbs 31 and verse 29. Solomon says, as he writes here in Proverbs, this excellent woman surpassed all other excellent women. So this is the ideal woman. This is the woman that did everything just right. And not meant to be the standard for which all women, well, if I'm doing things right, it's going to be Proverbs 31. But she, this woman, is presented here as an example, as an ideal. It shouldn't be something you hold against yourself. But I, I key right here at the very end. End of the book of uh, Proverbs, last chapter, last two verses. Listen to what it says right here about a woman who is to be praised and where they should find their value. 
It says right here, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Do you have that excellent example that almost seems like nobody could live up to? Then you have this description right here at the end of Proverbs. And it's very clear. The woman who is to be praised is the woman who fears God, who is faithful, who follows him and wants to know his word, who seeks out God and sets the example in that. That is the the woman who fears the Lord. That's who we're thinking about this morning. The Christian women that are here this morning, we need to praise them, love them, honor them. And it says here in the text, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Her own example and what she does will give her praise. And it's hard to find a Christian woman, I don't know of one here, who hasn't done wonderful things and we haven't seen her good works. This is the woman's glory throughout her life. I want to give you another example this morning of this fearful woman. I see this very much in the woman of Lydia. Paul, Timothy, and Luke had sailed to the Roman colony of Philippi in Macedonia. And this is what we read here in the book of Acts, chapter 16, 13 through 15. It says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside. Evidently, there's not enough men there in the city to build a synagogue. And where we, were, where we supposed there would be a place of prayer. So they're hoping there's a place in the riverside. We don't know if there, there's no apparent synagogue in the city. We're going to go there where there's going to be a place of prayer. Hopefully we'll find some of the Jews there. And we're going to bring them the gospel. That's what Paul did. He went from city to city, went to the synagogues. Here he goes to the riverside. It says, when we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together, a group of women had gathered together faithfully. Uh, no real mention of men here. But it was the women that were convicted in following God and worshiping Him. And they sat down and they spoke to the women who had come together. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She had traveled long from home, from Asia Minor, and she moved there to Macedonia. A seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. We, I like these descriptions here of Lydia. How wonderful she is and the example she is. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, notice that the Lord opened her heart. Her heart was open to the truth. She's a worshiper of God. And after she was baptized, her household as well. She believed it and she listened to Paul and her household as well. She had a part in that. And, and we see that today. We have so many in our families, examples of women who have led others to Christ. Thank God for them. Thank God for those women. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after that she was baptized, her household as well. And she urged the saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed over us. I like Lydia's example. I like her example of finding Christ. It's here in the Scriptures as an example to us. Women who seek God, they go to the place of prayer. They want to worship God. Despite what the men are doing, the lack of them, they're going to follow God. Thank God for those women. The woman who seeks God has her heart open to listen to the gospel. She wants to hear the truth. She wants to hear the word of God. Nothing going to keep her from doing that. She's going to seek out the truth. And this woman who seeks out God shall lead her household to baptism and salvation. Throughout the scriptures, the Bible tells us about the example of a woman, a Christian woman. And I see that very much so in 1 Peter chapter 3. And I thank God this morning for women in this congregation who have done 
this right here. We've taught their children, taught those around them. We've taught other people's children, helped them to know the Lord. Before we finish this morning, I want to give a little bit more, a little bit more to the men in this congregation. What do women need? What does the Bible say? 1 Peter 3 and verse 4. Number four, women need husbands who observe their conduct and the hidden person of their heart. You need to understand your wife. You need to know who she is. You need to look at how she behaves. Learn from her, just like those who learn from Lydia. Number five, women need husbands who honor them. It's a command right here, husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, honor your wives. You don't speak about them behind their back. You love them and honor them. And number six, women need husbands who live in understanding with them. That's what the Scripture says. And I think this morning, as you look at these things that women need from the Scriptures, I think as an example to women who are seeking a husband, that's the husband you need. A man who will honor you, who will seek to understand you, who will be a leader for you, who's willing to lay down his life for you. That's the husband you should be seeking. This morning, we thank God women are alive. So what kind of men are most likely to honor and respect women? I think we have the answer this morning. Christian men. And there's only one message that can change them. To know that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried and he rose again. That is the compelling account. That is what compels us to love God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. That is the gospel. And so I challenge you this morning. Praise women who fear God and they produce good works. Husbands, honor your wives. And women... Find love and value from God in Christ who loves you. And don't drag yourself down by your own expectations, standards. Go to God. Seek Him out. He'll always love you. I encourage you this morning, if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, do that. No matter what your mother believed, this is what she'd want you to do. Obey the gospel. Follow Christ closer than what she did. Be diligent to follow Him as she wants you to have eternal life. We look at those examples and we need to listen to them. So I ask you this morning, have you obeyed the gospel? The gospel that started the church of Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess Him with your mouth that He rose from the dead, you can become a Christian you can die to your sins. You can repent. You can be baptized in the waters of baptism and rise up into the newness of life. That's when you're saved. In fact, 1 Peter talks about that. It says we're born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. And then Peter puts it together. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21, he says again, baptism, which corresponds to this, just as Noah and his family was saved through the flood, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body. It's not just some washing or getting in the water, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. God, wash away my sins. We're calling out to Him when we're baptized, and we do so through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our faith is there, and it's through the resurrection, through the hope when we're baptized, we'll rise up with Him. This morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, I plead with you. Take hold of eternal life. Obey the gospel. This morning, if you've fallen away, you've struggled, you've had sins, you've had disappointments in life, and you need prayers, find someone to pray with you or come forward and let us pray with you right now. Please come while we stand and while we sing.